The treehouse at Tidesong faces east, looking out over the estuary, pink streaks reflected in the receding water, seemingly preparing just for me, since my feet will cross it in a few hours. My sleep here was quiet and deep. I hate to leave, but feel prepared for what today brings, even if my ankle is more cankle at the moment. Just like home, it's not easy to get up out of a warm, snuggly nest, especially since I stayed up late sewing up the huge tear in my trousers and watching Australian Ninja with Hugh. Ross makes me a huge breakfast, and there's lots of conversation around the table comparing Northland New Zealand ecology to my home of Minnesota. Her neighbors hate the mangroves. They bring the mud and ruin my sand beach, they say. The fact is, when the native wetland was drained for farming, the mangrove and their spreading snorkels took the opportunity to move in and take over. So it's more mud for my cross. But it must be the good kind, because Roz takes off without any shoes, throwing olive oil on her back and heading out barefoot. It looks like it was worth the wait for the tide, because I not only have an experienced guide walking me across the Taiharuru River, but I've got a porter, too. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I'm Allison Young. I'm the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Like the small backpacking essential of the same name, the P-Rag aims to share the sometimes unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. I want to thank Lecky Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Lecky's should be in your hands. Also, a big shout-out to Belega Socks, the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. Well, I've been taking you on my through-hike of the Te Araroa, New Zealand's long pathway. And at the moment, I'm still in Northland in the North Island, now timing tides to cross several estuaries as I work my way down the east coast to Auckland. Hugh apologizes to us if he's being a bit bullying, but our time is limited before the tide will come racing back in, and he sends us across, planning to meet us on the other side with his van. There are no other hikers crossing, most using the road to hitch around, but I wouldn't miss it for the world. It's squishy, but we don't sink in much into the cockle-shell-covered mud. Roz points out newly dug stingray puddles next to the few posts marking the trail with orange triangles. And if you're in a boat, you'll see them just stop sit there and they camouflage and then suddenly they'll go like a swim with lightning. I take loads of pictures and Roz flashes her beautiful smile, telling me she likes my attitude. I wonder if she'd feel the same way, knowing how insecure I am out here how easily hurt I get and how long it takes me to let go of things. <laughs> I tell Roz it's hard to find a group to hike with, and she says she loved hiking the Te Araroa alone as well, a feat she accomplished the previous year at the age of 66. But she admits she sometimes longed for a partner to help strategize. They're beautiful to watch swimming. They've got these big wings at the side. 
The last part is a stinky, slippery section, and she puts her arms straight out for balance. Hugh hands me a bag of granola bars before they both hug me, wishing God watch over you blessings. And I'm off, immediately inland on rolling farmland, the deep azure of the Pacific to my left. When I enter the Kauri mountain track, I think about how lucky I was to meet Roz and Hugh and stay at Tidesong. It meant for a really short day yesterday, but I needed it, and my ankle is already less swollen. There was also an obvious spirituality about these two. Roz essentially prolonging Hugh's life by giving up one of her kidneys for him, and also an obvious mindset of gratitude towards the blessings of their lives. I muse on my struggle to trust and believe things will work out, something that doesn't come easy for me. I get to the top and the view is wondrous. Looking back to the estuary, I see the water is filling in fast now. In front of me are islands far out into the Pacific under heavy gray-accented cumulus clouds. And where I'm headed is down a long strip of white sand leading all the way to the massive lump of Bream Head. I'm really in no hurry, since my plan is to stay the night at the end of the sand, so I stop to snack on one of Hugh's granola bars, Odie Slices, dry and fibrous as their name. James called last night to check on my progress. I was touched and then a bit skeptical because I found him so uber-efficient to the point of being rude. Now I think maybe he was just overloaded with details, and it surprises me he takes the time to call since 16 Teodoroa walkers stayed with him last night. I enjoy the quiet solitude I have now, fully expecting a swarm of hikers later. But I have to laugh, since truly it's this balance I struggle with to protect my solo hiking, but also desperately desiring friends. At least a group will help in two days' time. That's when I'll need to hire a boat to cross Fongaray Bay to Marston Point. And it ain't cheap. Back on the beach now, I marvel at the unimaginably brilliant turquoise water. A sign informs me that the barred-tailed godwits fly non-stop from Alaska to this very beach in eight days. A relatively short-legged wader with an upturned bill and, of course, oversized wings. I guess that's the only way they can work out those sorts of distances. The waves crash over my ankles, exchanging salty sand for mud. A flock of shorebirds' stilted legs on backwards knees take off as one in zigzag flight. The beach is totally deserted, except for a few oyster catchers, two by two with long, curved orange beaks against midnight black, sending me furtive glances as I lumber past. I forego the high-tide reroute and climb up and over grippy volcanic rock to a private horseshoe-shaped beach, and finally... There are some people. I find a bench overlooking young surfers heading out and just take it all in. A woman from Winnipeg living here 30 years comes by to say hello, her children curious about my backpack and camp food. She urges them to give me a granola bar, and I take a picture of them dressed in wetsuits with boogie boards. At that moment, I change my mind about camping here and decide, why not, let's push on straight up the head. I have no plan whatsoever, but the day is just delicious, and I want more of it. 
A gaggle of school kids take over the picnic table about halfway up at the World War II radar station. A sign tells me those who worked here found the stunning view boring. I tiptoe from exposed route to exposed route through the thick bush, out of breath in the steep climb, made finally more manageable later with beautiful steps. At 430 meters above the sea, I stop for a selfie looking back to Ocean Beach and my little friends somewhere in the water below. Just then, three young people arrive. They're all from Europe and living here for the year to work and travel. Talk about timing. I completely missed the turn for the little scramble to the top of the head, and they coax me up it to an even better view, 360 degrees along the ridge of the head to Mount Lyon and Urquats Bay beyond, as well as out to the sea where huge ships ply the waves working their way towards Auckland. We chat, then fall silent in this perch above the bush, above the beach. They finally race on and I plod along, up and down, the beautiful stairs disappearing and root-filled tramping track taking over. It's 809 steps down to Peach Cove Hut. I think I might go down there and give camping a shot. But it's 809 steps, and I have no idea who's down there or if it's even feasible to camp. If I go down and it doesn't work out, I'll have to come right back up. Oh, hell, I'll have to come back up anyway. Let's check it out. They are beautifully built stairs, wooden with a handrail as I go down and down into the bush. I see a bay below, but the stairs take a sharp left and go around it down and down some more, and then suddenly, I'm here. A brown corrugated metal hut with yellow trim is completely deserted. I set up the alley coop in a clearing under trees, clean some gear and collected rainwater at the tank, and then take over the massive deck. The beach I come to is rocky, so I collect a few shells to add to the hut collection. Suddenly, I hear voices. Oh, well, I guess I'll be sharing tonight. Wait a minute, it's the trio of hikers from Bream Head. Hey, you guys. Hi again. Hi again. It looks like they've been here all along, swimming in the ocean at the real beach. Another side trail that it appears I also missed. Talk about timing again. These guys have no intention of staying, and they head back up the stairs, leaving me alone with this perfect horseshoe of sand. The sun is sinking, but still warming a small bit of my private cove, coaxing me under the gentle waves, huge scallop shells within reach. I stay out on my private beach until the shadows get long, then finally disappear altogether. Roosting cormorants like midnight black vases hunker in the trees, their heads tucked all the way under their wings. This paradise, it's all mine. And I can't imagine how I missed the turn. I didn't even hear the trio coming down to swim. It just makes no sense. Why would you put a hut next to a rocky shore? Even the map indicates sand. Somehow the timing was perfect. They came out and they showed me where the beach was. I simply didn't follow through. Like, somehow I didn't think through all that's possible and probable. But I'm happy now to have pulled away momentarily from the crowd, it would seem. And for me, anyway, the expected. 
You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. Through sharing my stories of walking long-distance trails solo as a middle-aged female hiker, I hope I can empower you to find your inner badass and learn how to hike your own hike, too. If you're enjoying the storytelling, consider subscribing to The P-Rag wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple, I'd be delighted if you'd consider giving me a review. That really helps others like you find the podcast. Well, my Peach Cove sleep all alone may have been the best yet. Kiwis whistle-hooting in the dark. Lots of spatter-pats of avian fecal matter all night on the alley coop. I sleep late, luxuriating in my private bay, and of course, I go out and swim again. So I'm sufficiently cooled down before the ascent of 76 flights and mist gathering around the Mount Lion where I'm headed. The trail heads straight up now, hand over hand, to a perch where it looks a lot like northern England's Lake District. But a particularly R2-D2-esque Tui Definitely not from the motherland. Then it's a thousand steps down to Smuggler's Bay and another private beach, a larger one with crashing waves. My hair is still wet and briny from the dip at Peach Cove, and it really kind of feels a bit too cold now for a swim as the wind picks up and I put on my jacket. Just then... An older gentleman in trunks up to his navel arrives and dives right into the surf. Oh man, I feel like a wimp not going into that turquoise. Well, I guess I'll have to go in in my underwear and bra now that I have an audience. He plays in the waves for a few moments, letting them knock him around. And then he leaves. And the beach is deserted again. So I decide, ah, I'm going to keep my clothes dry. and I'm just going to skinny dip in the bracing chop sun in and out of clouds. Oh, it's wonderful. The salt tastes sweet on my lips. Wet and sandy, I come out after a time and quickly dress, heading towards a spur track to Busby Point. I come across some kids, hip-hop cranked, testing out attitude on me. Ha, kids are universal. But it's a good thing when I run into them, I got my clothes on. I pass more breathtaking views and then the gun battery, built in 1942. It was made to look like a farmhouse and only shot three test rounds, one accidentally, traveling 12 miles. I enter the charming village of Urquats Bay, cloud-shrouded mountains surrounding, but the view over the bay is of industry. So here's a total New Zealand Te Araroa switcheroo, right place at the right time kind of thing. I mentioned to you that I have to hire a boat to get across to Marsden Point, or I guess you could walk and hitchhike a long way around. I've been assuming since yesterday that because there were so many walkers coming along, I'd join up with them somewhere, sometime. But no one's here. I'm absolutely alone. A man named Blair is listed in the trail notes with his phone number. He charges $100 per ride, not per person, so of course it's better to have a group. But since it's deserted here at this lovely little shady spot at the picnic table, and I wonder if he'll consider a discount. 
I dial Blair's number. He picks up on the first ring. Oh, hi. Uh, I'm Allison Young, and I'm walking the Tiararoa, and I'm from the United States, and I'm all alone, and I need a ride. Relax, lady. He asks me if I'm near the jetty. The jetty? To your left. I turn around, and sure enough, there's a jetty right there to my left. I'll get you now, he tells me. For 20 bucks. It turns out the family's just coming back from snorkeling, and it's only a small detour to pick me up. They come in quickly, and I throw my sticks over, hand olive oil to Kim, and the ocean diversity is off. I've got one hand on the camera and the other holding tight as we tilt up for a bumpy ride, splashing and laughing, all the way to the refinery set on a few gorgeous kilometers of beach, looking back to the Mount Lion and my private bay. My feet search out concrete-quality sand as the tide comes in. I go well for a bit, then sink in, drastically slowing down. Pizza and beer are at the next community, but it's really too far away. So I come off the beach at a place called Ruakaka, and I wander down a sidewalk in a neighborhood of houses. A woman with two lovely school-aged daughters tells me, well, there's no restaurants really here. But, you know, you might try the supermarket. Perfect. Supermarkets sell food. Let's go. So I fit olive oil into a cart and balance my sticks, wandering the air-conditioned aisles. I pause for a moment to study the various bars for sale when a gray-haired woman asks me if I'm enjoying my walk. Why, yes. She tells me she often invites hikers to camp on her lawn. Would I like to join her for dinner? Why, yes! (laughs) I accept a ride from Betty, giving up a few kilometers of the Teararoa for a home-cooked meal at her modest home, looking right back to beautiful Bream Head. Betty is religious and has that glowing spirituality for her gratitude of all the gifts in her life. Around her, I can't help but feel blessed. A woman named Natasha joins us for dinner, who just happens to be best friends with Peta, my high school friend Rachel's friend who introduced me to Peter and Ange way back on the 90-mile beach. The coincidence is just mind-boggling. I set up the alley coop next to Betty's caravan on the lawn and cuddle in thinking about how all the different pieces pulled together these past few days, how trust and Letting go of outcomes allowed for all this synchronicity. I like to plan and prepare, and I've always been a firm believer in that old adage, good fortune comes to those who are ready. But I tend to dwell too much on the negative and in trying to control everything and avoid more bad things happening, I hold on too tightly and I tend to miss out on what's possible. Maybe a rephrasing of that wise advice might be something like, Good fortune comes to those who are open to it and let it happen. All I know is that my belly is full right now, and so is my heart. I want to thank Lecky Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast. 
If you want to be a blissful hiker, Leckies should be in your hands. And Belega, the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. And also thanks to you for listening. If you enjoy the storytelling, please subscribe and go ahead and rate it and better yet, write a review at Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the podcast. The music you're hearing is me playing flute from so many years ago. You can find the music on iTunes. Show notes and more about my hikes all over the world are at my website, thepirag.com. Next week, the trail continues to provide in mysterious ways as I visit Dragonspell and camp on the dunes at Pikery Beach. Until then, my friends, happy trails. <laughs>